1 Samuel chapter 20, verse 41. As soon as the lad had gone, David arose from a place toward the south, fell on his face to the ground, and bowed down three times. And they kissed one another, and they wept together, but David more so. Then Jonathan said to David, Go in peace, since we have both sworn in the name of the Lord, saying, May the Lord be between you and me, and between your descendants and my descendants forever. So he arose and departed, and Jonathan went into the city. Let's bow our heads, saints. Heavenly Father, we're thankful, Lord, for the testimonies that we see in Scripture and that we see around us, Father, of those ones who would be your friends. Father, we thank you that you did call Abraham a friend of God. And Lord, what a privilege it is that we as people, as frail humans, might hold that place and have that friendly connection, Father. I pray that you would help us, Lord, and to desire that, to seek it. And to make that our purpose in our lives daily, Father, thank you for being a friend to us. Help us to return that friendship, we ask. Bless this word to our hearts tonight, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, our text here is this bittersweet parting between these two dearest of friends, Jonathan and David. Jonathan, of course, being the son of Saul. David, of course, being the successor to Saul, or would-be successor before it too long. Just a quick summation, if you aren't familiar with this passage, this is that separation that, well, that was going to come between these ones when Jonathan finally fully realized what his dad's intentions were for David. David being anointed to be the successor, Saul not seeing it, not wanting the kingdom to be torn from his hands. And, uh, well, he made it plain. He wanted to do David in and would be, well, making his effort to do that. And Jonathan finally saw it after David helped him to see it. The Lord helped him to see it, and a couple of other events took place that helped him to see it as well. And so he had signaled to David. He told him, go out in the field and I'll signal to you once I know, and I'll let you know what I find. And he had signaled to David that fact that he could not safely return to the court of Saul. Uh, He would not be safe there, naturally speaking. So they said their goodbyes there. And obviously they weren't easy ones. Perhaps you've parted from friends before. We've had different ones leave this meeting, uh, some a number of times actually. You've had friends in your own life, graduations take place. I don't hardly see anybody, one person I see from my old high school days. Uh, Very few other ones, but it hurts in the moment and parting Such sweet sorrow, I think that's Shakespeare that says that. Uh, But you know how it is when you care for somebody. And, you know, I I pray that you do have people close enough to you that when you part from them, it hurts enough uh, that you're, you know, you're weeping, perhaps. They kissed one another. They wept together here when they said their goodbyes. Now, again, these ones here were being forced in a way, being forced to part. And so there was that extra element of, of sadness and mourning because it was something that was preventable. They were good men. They were godly men. Both of them devoted to God. Both of them were devoted to the blessing and the well-being of each other. They truly loved one another to the, well, to the measure that they wept over one another. But what I want to point to there tonight is something I think I've probably brought out in Well, in sermons past, I'm not sure. I couldn't really find anything in my records, but I'm sure I've mentioned it. It's that second part, that last part of verse 41. It always grabs my attention when I read this passage, 1 Samuel 20. Well, I didn't give it to you there, did I? 
but David more so. But David more so, it says. Now, you can speculate why the Spirit, well, inspired the writer to record this piece that David wept more than Jonathan did. I believe that it points to a number of different things. I believe that you could just look at it naturally speaking and say, okay, David's being uprooted, pulled out, he's in danger. His one, his one true friend that he can identify and say, this is that one that is dear to me. I'm being separated from this one. He's kind to me. Jonathan, in of himself, naturally speaking, had a natural claim to the throne, if you wanted to say that. Saul himself expected that Jonathan should be named after him. All of those things aside, David recognized there was a dearness that was here. And he recognized that his world was being shifted, twisted. He trusted the Lord for it. I'm, I'm confident of that. But there was, well, there was sadness that was present there. But I think that also it sometimes seems, well, it seems rather plain to me that sometimes it's just as simple as he valued the relationship more, David. I believe that there is some accuracy there. I think that it's plain when you consider that Jonathan did stay with his father. He was a man of God. He valued David. Uh, he submitted to David, yielding naturally that position that he had a claim to, uh, being of the bloodline. But when, well, God recorded it here for a reason. David more so. They wept together, but David more so. And you find that Jonathan returned back to his father, knowing who he was, knowing what he was, and what he was intending to do. David wept more. I believe that between that shared fr friendship, in that shared friendship, that David, well, held a higher a higher investment, you might say, into it. Now, David is a picture of Jesus in a number of different ways. On a number of different levels, all throughout his life, we see him presented. And it makes sense, Jesus being called the son of David, well, there's a correlation there. And he was a type of Jesus in a lot of different places. And I think that, well, we see it here as well. You know, Jesus is the one that values your relationship more. Each individual one here. We have an individual one-on-one -on -one relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And the son of David values that relationship more than you do. Now, I'm not faulting you. I'm not criticizing you. I'm not dropping a hammer on you today. We are we're made up of flesh. We are yet sinners. Jesus never had sin in him at all. He is the son of God. He's capable of loving to a measure that we aren't yet capable of loving to. Uh, so I think that... That's valid, and it's not just a harsh criticism. He is the one that values your relationship more, and as a result, he is the one who, well, for lack of a better term, weeps over it more than we do. Ephesians chapter 4 makes it clear that we can grieve him. I bring this up rather frequently. Ephesians 4.30. I'm falling apart here. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. We can grieve him by valuing this relationship we have with him to a lesser measure than it is, well, worth. And certainly to a lesser measure than he does. By valuing other things instead. By valuing other things and putting other things in, a, in a, an ungodly place, in a higher place. John 12 points that out. John 12 and verse 42 says, Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him. They were saved. They believed in him. They, they saw it. They recognized it. They believed in, not just believed what he was saying and what he was doing, but believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him. They didn't make it a public presentation that they believed in him. They, they hid it. They, they kept it 
Well, to themselves, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. There's a disparity in the valuation of our relationship with the Lord. It just, it just is what it is. Sometimes, however, it's more obvious, more clear, more leaned into the weakness on our part when we could present a greater, a deeper love for Him. Now, that being said, you've perhaps been the victim of unrequited love, you know, where you care for someone more than they care about your friendship, and it's demonstrated by how you each act and what you bring to that friendship. Jesus is no crybaby, but there is a means of grieving him. He doesn't just spend his time up in heaven boohooing and that sort of thing. I don't believe that that's the case at all because he rejoices over one sinner that repents. There's joy in the presence of the angels and he is indeed that one who is in the presence of the angels. Anyone who reverses direction, who repents and literally chooses him in the place that something else is trying to take, anyone who chooses that, who repents and goes that direction, he takes joy in that. That is to value. That is to show appreciation for him. For Jesus himself testified that a prophet has no honor in his own country. He recognized that. He recognized that he wouldn't be honored. There it is. He wouldn't be honored. He wouldn't be given the place in his own place, in his own country, or elsewhere. Even his own brothers did not believe in him, it says in John 7, verse 5. You think that didn't hurt? I believe it did. I don't think that Jesus, again... He was the son of God, but, well, he had the temptations and the testings that we do, yet was without sin. He suffered as we do. And anyone who doesn't love him in the manner that he loves them, that would hurt. It would hurt. And so I, I believe that it's quite plain that there is an unequal, unshared, to the fullest measure, affection there. Now, we can't equal his love for us. There's no question. We can't do it. We don't yet even know who we're and how we're going to be in glory. And there's a capability there that we're going to be capable of. There's a, an eternal energy, an eternal life. There's an eternal spirit that will be completely and entirely in that time capable of worshiping and capable of expressing and capable of seeing and all kinds of capabilities that we don't have yet in, as we're limited by this flesh. But in the meantime... Well, first off, let me just tell you, there's no reason for us to separate from him. There is no reason for that bittersweet moment that David and Jonathan had, regardless of what the situation is. There's no reason for us to separate. Yes, I don't see him naturally speaking, but he says he's with me always. He says that he's always present. His spirit is within us, can be fully present within us. We're not separated and there's no need to separate. There's no need to have that bittersweet moment. But that being said, sometimes we cause separations. Sometimes we cause ourselves entanglement. Second Timothy chapter 2 has Paul telling Timothy, No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier, that he may please him who calls him to battle, he may Please him who enables us to battle. And that we, well, that we may please him who befriends us. Fights alongside us in a manner of speaking. As we engage in this battle. Who's fought for us. Overcome the world on our behalf. As we engage in this battle. Saints, it's a beautiful thing. We don't have any need to consider parting from him. There need be no tears between us. For this separation that we're going to have. Because... 
Well, he's not going any, he's going to his father, but that's not away from us. And we need not go to anybody else. No, we need not choose anyone else instead of him or put anything else in his place. It's a joy and it's a blessing for us to bring him joy, to share a friendship, to share the joy of fellowship and friendship with him by stepping away from the entanglements. Those who would, well, I love my folks, but those who would count their folks, their parents, their families, whomever it might be, more important than the Lord Jesus? Well, they're not worthy of him. It's not consistent with the walk of faith. He makes everything better when we draw nearer to him. So saints, let's put aside the bittersweet, well, the bitterness. Let's leave aside the bitterness of separating from the Lord. We need not separate from him. He has invested way more than we ever could. But saints, we can certainly try. Try to invest our everything and anything into the friendship that we have and can have with the Lord Jesus. And I'll leave you with that.